Welcome to On the Bench. This is Brennan Sinone of Knowles 24-7. A different sort of episode coming to, you, coming to you today here on Friday morning as I'm recording this. You're probably going to get it on Friday afternoon by the time it's done being uh, being recorded and edited and whatnot. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it's still relevant uh, by the time you are indeed listening to it on your on your drive home from, from the end of the work week. Uh, what I wanted to do was get a different sort of voice for you on here as we're talking about the coaching search. Uh, I wanted someone who is well-versed in one of the top candidates, someone that that we believe uh, has kind of emerged as the primary candidate for Florida State with the caveat that, you know, that, that the search for search firm of DHR is well-known at misdirection and whatnot. We do not believe there's a done deal in place yet uh, right now, but, but Mike Norvell of Memphis is a name that continues to pop up both in coaching circles and some of our FSU sources as someone who uh, yeah, some people have speculated that that there's a handshake deal. I, I don't know if I can go that far to report that, uh, but but we do at least think that Mike Norvell is someone that FSU has zeroed in on uh, during this process. Our Ole Miss website reported something among the lines of that too uh, yesterday. So there's a lot of people uh, who were kind of speculating and, and connecting dots that Mike Norvell, Florida State, is something that could happen after Memphis plays in the AAC championship game this weekend. With that in mind. Uh, Again, not 100% saying it's Mike Norvell at all, but we do want to inform our listeners of the coach at Memphis, uh, what he's done. I know we've talked about him at the podcast. We are on the, on the podcast, and previously we've written about him as well, gone over pros and cons for Mike Norvell and what he's done at Memphis. Uh, I want to bring on someone who's more of an authority, who's worked with him much more closer than, than any of us, Josh, uh, Chris, myself have, and that's Mark Giannato of the commercial appeal in Memphis. Uh, he's a columnist there and he's he's worked with Coach Norvell for the last couple years. Uh, he's also a co-host of a radio program uh, in Memphis, uh, Giannato and Jeffrey. Uh, so, so he's someone who has a lot of knowledge about Memphis Tigers football and uh, specifically Mike Norvell. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to get Mark on here uh, after the commercial break to talk a little bit about Coach Norvell, uh, his strengths, weaknesses, uh, what his program does well at Memphis. And, and so hopefully give you guys more of a uh, in-depth idea of what what Coach Norvell would bring to Florida State if theoretically he were to to come here again as we record this on Friday afternoon or Friday morning and you're listening to it on Friday afternoon. Uh, this is the working uh one of the working assumptions right now is, is that Coach Norvell is a very high uh, high up the list candidate for Florida State. So uh, commercial break coming up here, and then on the way back, Mark Giannato of the Commercial Appeal uh, to tell you a little bit about Coach Norvell. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back. And as promised, I have Mark Giannato from the Commercial Appeal. Mark, uh, welcome. I understand that you uh, you had a busy night uh, previously, so thank you for for coming uh, on the show and, and being a little peaked, but but being a trooper and joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Uh, how was uh, I heard you were at the Chappelle show? How was that for for our listeners that people want to know if uh, how Chappelle was in person? Oh, he was. I mean, he was fantastic. It felt like it felt like he was kind of, uh, I guess you could say, like testing out uh, some new stuff. It was like a whole new act from the uh, the Netflix special, the recent Netflix special. Um, and he was really funny. He did two shows here in Memphis last night. I think he did a 7 o'clock and a 10 o'clock. And I went to the 10 o'clock. And, um, you could tell he was loose by the 10 o'clock one. Um, he had, he, I think, he, I think he, he revealed at the end that he had taken an edible before the show. Um, <laughs> so that kind of, that kind of uh, made it a very... Uh, interesting uh interesting dynamic but it was uh very funny and um yeah like i said you could tell he was testing out stuff like who knows how much of that will make his next special but it was just fun uh to almost like be in his laboratory if you will yeah to to describe dave Chappelle as loose uh when we know his reputation is as someone who's going to say what he thinks anyways is uh is is something uh so that, that probably was a treat yeah so so uh all right, we, we have you on to talk about because you are a uh, someone who's well-versed in covering uh, Memphis coach Mike Norvell. And as I mentioned with many, many qualifiers in the intro, uh, he's someone who is high atop uh, FSU's board right now. Uh, some people are speculating that, that it's likely he's coming to Florida State. We don't know that for a fact yet, uh, but we do know that there has been at least enough chatter to say there's mutual interest. I want my listeners to get to know Coach Norvell. Uh, so, Mark, for, for you and your time covering – uh, Coach Norvell, uh, what would you say the most impressive accomplishment that he's had in his four seasons at Memphis? Like, what stands out to you about what he's done uh, over the past several years? Uh, I would say it's two pronged in what it, what it is. Let's start first with his offense. Um, I th- I believe I don't know. I think they may have fallen just outside the top ten in total offense after last week's game in Cincinnati, but. Basically, uh, if you let, let's say as of last week they were a top ten offense in the country, there are only three other teams in the entire country who have had top ten offenses over the past three years. It's UCF, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, and then Memphis. Wow! And what's mo- most impressive about that is with Mike, he's done it in three totally different ways. Like if you go back to 2017. He had this dynamic passing attack led by Anthony Miller, uh, wide receiver who's now playing for the Chicago Bears. Uh, Riley Ferguson was the quarterback. Last year, he has a top 10 offense with a dynamic rushing attack with this experienced offensive line with Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard, who are now both playing in the NFL. Um, And then this year, it's kind of been a mix of both, but he's done it with you know, there was a third running back on that team a year ago, Patrick Taylor, who got an NFL draft grade um, and decided to come back. And then he gets hurt in the first game of the year and missed eight games this year. And yet he ends up producing another uh, 1,000-yard rusher in Kenny Gainwell, a redshirt freshman who was just 
this week, one of two unanimous selections for first team all AAC. And then he's got this quarterback, Brady White, who's come on strong over the last six or eight games. But I'll just be honest, he's not that great of a quarterback. But in Mike's offense, he is. You look at his numbers, they're gaudy. And so uh, he's done it in just three totally different ways. Um, and uh, like that to me is just speaks volumes about what type of offense, what the type of offensive coach he is. And then the other thing that just, I mean, I think mind boggling about what he's accomplished at Memphis, there's only one guy left from his original coaching staff here. And he sent his past, his past, uh, his, his two offensive coordinators have gone Daryl Dickey became the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Kenny Dillingham became, uh, excuse me, he's had three. Chip Long, who started out with him, became the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Daryl Dickey then became offensive coordinator, became the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. And then last year, Kenny Dillingham was the offensive coordinator and Auburn hired him. So people want, and and then there's all these other assistants that have gone on to bigger jobs being with Mike Norvell and, so he had to replace seven assistant coaches this year. He had to replace the same amount of assistant coaches as Alabama did. Everyone made a big deal about how what Nick Saban had to do. Mike Norvell had to do the exact same thing. And and yet he's having literally the what what is if they win tomorrow, this will go down as the greatest season in Memphis football history. Um in the AAC championship game. If they win that. So um that to me those are probably the, the two most impressive things about what he's accomplished here. One, just the, the how powerful this offense is, has been, but also just how he's done it in so many different ways. It's not like he's, he's riding the coattails of some dyna- one dynamic player or a particular way of doing things. It, it's very, he's adapted to each year to his, each year to his personnel and come out on the other end with one of the best offenses in the country. And then he's done it all with just tremendous coaching turnover. And, and again, that speaks to, I think, what type of coach he is, that he's, he's created this. I mean, this is, this is the greatest era of Memphis football ever. And the way he's done it has just been remarkable. And, and Mark, you touched on both of those topics or things I want to get more into. Let, let's start off with the offense and the off- how prolific the Memphis offense has been. Uh, with coach Norvell there, he, he's the primary play caller, right? Like he, he's the one that's his oh, yeah. offense is his baby. This, this is his, ba- this is his baby. I mean, honestly, so I've, he's given me some access behind the scenes a little bit. I mean, I, to the point, like one, yes, he's, he is the play caller on game day, but he's, I would call it, even though there's probably, there's someone's listed as the quarterback's coach. He's like the quarterback's coach. Um, he's that involved with the offense. Um, and it's not to say he's not involved with the defense or special teams. I mean, he's less involved, obviously. He's an, he's an offensive coach at heart, and he kind of lets – he hire, his goal is to hire a defensive coordinator who can essentially be the head coach on that side of the ball. But, yes, he, it, that, the offense is his baby, and it's – frankly, it's why, you know, like a lot of people have talked about um, here in Memphis, if he goes, like will they just bump – will they hire one of these former coordinators that went on to – bigger jobs or will they elevate uh, the offensive line coach here? And, and it's one of the reasons I question why maybe why you, why you should be hesitant to do that. Because I really do think 
Mike is the straw that stirs this drink, if you will. And so, and I don't know if just hiring his coordinator, you're going to be able to replicate what he does, but yes, the offense is his baby. And are, are there certain, you mentioned that he's done this in very different ways. They've been prolific on offense for the last several years now, and they've done it with different types of personnel. Are there, I guess, key elements that are consistent though, uh, that, that if he continues at Memphis or if he goes somewhere else, like what, what would be the hallmarks of a Mike Norvell offense? I think one is obviously, I mean, it's tempo. It's a high tempo offense. He wants to run a lot of plays. Um, I would say it's also, I mean, he's not, even though it's a prolific offense, like I mentioned, it's not like it's just a pass happy. It's not the air rate. He like, even though it's fast tempo, he's always, he's always going to want to establish the run. It's, it's, I would call it, I would say it's a, it's a spread offense with pro style elements. Um, And so it's the, it's a mix of both things. And um, so he's going to push the ball down, push the ball deep. um, But he's also going to establish the run too. And there's, I mean, it's a lot of, I would also say another, you know, another trademark of it is you need a quarterback and he's good at, this is why I think part of the reason why he's almost like a de facto quarterback coach at times. Uh, he runs a lot of checks at the line. It's a lot of RPOs where the quarterback has, is going to make a decision at the line of scrimmage. Um, uh, you know, they're going to have a couple options based on what the defense does. Uh, and so that, that, that would be, I guess, the general way I would say sort of the, the outlines of it. But again, uh, he, he's even this year, he's changed the offense over the course of the season. Like at the beginning of the year, they were running a ton of wide receiver screens, bubble screens and things like that. And then after they lost the, it was right before they lost the temple game. They had a bad game against, uh, I forget who, like the offense didn't this year, for instance, whereas the offense, it seemed like was a juggernaut from the get go the last two years this year. I mean, they won that Ole Miss game to open the year 15 to 10. Like the offense wasn't necessarily clicking on all cylinders at the beginning of the year. And so he changed some things um, and, and the offensive line got better, uh, but where they started pushing the ball down the field a little more. Um, and, and then just in general, I mean, if you look at what Memphis has done and the players they've sent to the NFL, I mean, this is an offense and this is, this is kind of his recruiting, uh, mantra it's an it's an offense built for playmakers um he's gonna get his guys in matchups and in and and in space um and i'd argue and i'd argue memphis's skilled position players are as good as most power five teams they they have been under mike norvell um his wide receivers his running backs um even even the quarterbacks, maybe not maybe not quite as much the quarterbacks, but um, certainly I mean he's, he's you've got Anthony Miller who's playing for the Bears, you got Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard, Patrick Taylor and Kenny Gainwell, the, the running backs this year are probably going to both play in the NFL. Demonte Coxey, the wide receiver, their leading wide receiver this year, guys he's going to probably play in the NFL. So it's a it's an offense built for playmakers, and I think. It's a, it's been a great uh, recruiting tactic of his as well. Cause he can just, I mean, frankly, you just, you just put on the highlights of this Memphis offense and there are just big plays all over the place. 
you mentioned the coaching tree. It's exhaustive in a great way. Uh, it's really impressive in, in a relatively short amount of time, too. Uh, and I know the uh, Commercial Appeal has a full list of that that was done, I think, by one of your colleagues uh, earlier this year. We've linked to it before, and I would recommend people go and check that out for the full list. Uh, I know you said it, Mark, that it's impressive. How? Like how? How is it branched out so rapidly uh, to Auburn, to Notre Dame, to Georgia, to to all these big programs? Is is Mike Norvell just that good of an evaluator of of coaches, or is he developing them? It's it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think I think it's both, but probably more so. I think he's just good at identifying good coaches, and he, he's he's pretty well connected. Um, I mean, I look at a guy like like Kenny Dillingham. Kenny Dillingham, who's now the offensive coordinator at Auburn. I mean, that guy's like six years removed from being a high school coach. Um, but Mike, he, he, Mike got to know him out at Arizona State when Mike was the offensive coordinator. He brought him on as a GA. Kenny was a GA when he came to Memphis, even. Um, but then, you know, Mike realized that Mike saw the coaching talent, if you will, in Kenny Dillingham. And um, Kenny knows the offense better than probably anyone except Mike Norvell at this point. And, you know, he moved up quickly. Dan Lanning at Georgia, uh, who's now the defensive coordinator of Georgia and kind of a, a, a sexy name, a, a name, an up and coming name, I guess, for maybe an, a group of five head coaching job in the near future. I mean, that guy was like the inside linebackers coach and the recruiting coordinator here, but Mike, and he did a great job as a recruiting coordinator. He recruited Kenny Gainwell, for instance, the guy, the star running back for Memphis this year. Um, I think he's just been good at identifying coaching talent um, and, and finding guys who mesh with what he does. But I also think what I, what I always am impressed with, with Mike is for a guy who's pretty young, he's I think 38, and he's only been a head coach for four years, he's got this system in place um, and a culture in place that lends itself to this turnover, if you will. Like, even though they had seven new assistant coaches, it didn't feel all that different around the program this year. And I think that's a reflection of, of, the, of the, I guess, comfort level and confidence that Mike exudes, uh, on a daily basis. And, um, so yeah, I, the coaching tree thing is remarkable. It's really, it's really even hard to explain, um, that he's been able to maintain the success he has with these power five programs each year, poaching his coaches. Uh, I know a lot of oh, what I see on my message board, Mark is, is when there are people being kind of skeptical of the potential of Mike Norvell coming to, to Florida state is they don't know how much of what he's done the last few years is him putting his own you know, fingerprints on it. And how much is it, was it a good situation that Justin Fuente built up and has now done a, a solid mm-hmm. job at Virginia tech, I guess, how do you, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, you weren't, you weren't covering Memphis under Fuente, correct? No, I actually used to cover Virginia tech. So I, okay. <laughs> Um, funny coincidence. Um, here's what I would say. I, I would say, um, you look at his first couple of years, Riley Ferguson, the quarterback Fuente, I guess, technically recruited him, but Mike was the one who got him to stay on board. Um, I, I would just say this Fuente resurrected a dead program. I and mean, this was people forget that in 2010, 
2011, this like before Fuente got to Memphis, this was one of the worst FBS programs in the entire country. It was like a dead end job. And Fuente did a phenomenal job resurrecting it and, and, and turning it into a good program again. Um, Mike Norvell has very clearly taken it to another level. He's, he's the best recruiter Memphis football has ever had. I I say that with, with certainty. Um, and if you look at this year's team, which is 11 and one is the first 11 win team in Memphis football history, one win away from the cotton bowl, which would be the biggest bowl game Memphis football has ever played. in. There are literally, there are right now four guys on the roster still, from the Fuente era, and none of them actually played for Justin Fuente. They were red shirts. Um, so this team, this great team, is almost entirely Mike Norvell players, guys who Mike Norvell brought in. So I, I would say part of the reason he took the job was because it was a good situation, but he's very clearly elevated the program since he got here. Um, so I just think he was smart to take on. A, this was a smart first job for him because of what Justin Fuente did here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't think anything of what he's doing right now has anything to do with Justin Fuente. This is all Mike Norvell. You mentioned that he's the best recruiter in the history of Memphis football. I guess uh, one thing when you look at the recruiting wake, rankings, and this is you know twenty four seven is a recruiting website. Uh, Memphis has always been in the top half of the AAC uh, under Norvell, but has never been at the top of the conference. It's something that some people are skeptical of. If, if he's not recruiting at the highest level in his own conference, can he do that at power five level? Uh, are you sure I, about that? Cause I, uh, I thought he's had a couple of years. He's had the best or second best recruiting class. Yeah. He's been two a couple of times. If I recall, he's been at yeah. least two. Yeah. Um, and so we're, you know, difference between one and two is probably pretty marginal, but uh, I guess my point is, 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 is that something that even overlooking that like Memphis compared to, well, it, it's hard to recruit the state of Tennessee. There's not as many blue chip prospects there as there are say Florida or Texas where some of these other programs are. So I guess how impressive is what he has done as a recruiter? Yeah. Well, and here's what I would say, you know, like what I, what I think is impressive, for instance, you go around Memphis, every one of the four and five star recruits here in Memphis list Memphis in their top five, pretty much. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and so Mike has recruited them, but like, let's be realistic. He's not going to beat Tennessee or Arkansas or, you know, uh, some of these school, these SEC schools for kids. I mean, he shouldn't, to be quite honest, at Memphis, you know. Um, what I think the recruiting rankings don't reflect, Mike has done a great job at being very creative. And, and this is, I, I don't know how this will, tra- I, I think it's hard to, to, to predict how Mike's recruiting will translate to Florida State. Because at Florida State, let's just be honest, he's going to recruit a totally different caliber of recruit on a regular basis. Um, he can, he can get five stars and four stars at, uh, at, at Florida state. And, and he's gotten, I think two, four stars at Memphis. Um, and so, and what, but the thing I would say about him being creative, like you look at some of the best recruits on this roster, like, uh, coyote Oladelli, who's the mm-hmm. one Florida guy on the roster. Like you, he wasn't technically Memphis didn't get him by going into Florida. They got him because he committed to Auburn and then couldn't get, you know, couldn't get in academically to Auburn. Like something happened and Mike pounced and he's, he's taken advantage of the fact that 
quite frankly, and, and the Memphis basketball program has benefited from this over the years as well, you can get in some kids here to Memphis that you can't get into other schools, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like DeMonte Coxey, their leading wide receiver. He was supposed to go to LSU, but he couldn't get – something happened academically, um, and Mike pounced. Um, he's, he's done a great job at blue-shirting kids. Um, like that's what Daryl Henderson – was a uh, was a blue sh- or Daryl Henderson was a gray shirt, but a okay. couple of their starting defensive linemen were blue shirts. Like he's been very creative recruiting wise, and he's a you know he's he's beaten you know Kenny Gainwell, the star running back. That was a kid who had an Ole Miss offer, and mm-hmm. Mike got him over Ole Miss. Like Mike was in on him much earlier than Ole Miss. Ole Miss came in late, and Mike still got him. Um, so. I think he's going to be a great recruiter at Florida State if he ends up there. I know he doesn't have connections in Florida, but I would just say when you look at the landscape, and you you know this better than me, but and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you've got Miami in disarray right now. You've got you know University of Florida has a good coach, but he's not exactly a dynamic recruiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Mike is a pretty good recruiter, and I think. He's smart enough, one, to know he's going to have to recruit Florida if he takes the Florida State job. And he's going to have to get, you know, he's going to have to hire some guys who will help him get in the door at first. But I think over time, he'll be fine there. Um, and then I also think he's a guy who's very well connected in Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, now Tennessee. I, I think he's going to, I think. To me, and this is this is probably more speculation at this point than than facts. But I, 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 my questions about Mike at Florida State do not involve recruiting. Okay. To be honest, I think he's going to be a good recruiter if he goes to Florida State. All right. So I, I have two more questions for you, Mark. I know you need to go in a little bit here. Uh, you've spoken very, very highly of Coach Norvell. Uh, he's now you know going. He's in his fourth year. At Memphis, are you surprised that it's taken? Uh, I know, I know there was rumors with Arkansas two years ago that he's been at Memphis for four years. That a, that a Power Five school hasn't come up and just thrown a ton of money at him. Like, is it surprising to you, or does this kind of make sense within his timeline that that he's still still coaching the the Group of Five level? I think two years ago I was surprised, but now when you get to know Mike, he's a very pragmatic. I don't think he wanted. He doesn't want to take a job where he, I think he really, really loved Memphis. Like he's being genuine when he says he loves this city. He loves this program. He loves the university here at Memphis. And I think he made it up in his mind a couple years ago. I'm not going to leave this situation where I have it rolling unless I can go to a situation where I have a chance to win a national championship. And that's why I don't think Arkansas or Ole Miss or Missouri really interest him. Um, because I don't think he think I think I don't think he views them as having realistic chances to be a national championship contender, even though they're in Power Five conferences. Um, he has said the grass is not always greener. Now that being said, I think that's why this Florida State thing is so serious because he knows. I mean, I, he knows the potential of Florida State. It's obvious if you look at the you know the last fifty years of college football what the potential of Florida state is. And so um, I, I'm not surprised at this point. I will be surprised. I'll be honest. If he's, 
still the Memphis head coach next week. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, th- that's, that's a transition. And I know the AAC championship game is coming up but tomorrow. I'm losing track of days during a, a 35 day coaching search tomorrow, right? AAC championship. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. It's Saturday right. afternoon at two 30. All right. So he's, he's coaching in that against Cincinnati. Uh, Mark, how do you think this all shakes out? You said you wouldn't be surprised if Mike Norvell is, or you would be surprised if Mike Norvell is coaching at Memphis much longer. Uh, I don't know. I'm not asking for you to share sourcing or anything. Just what do you think going on gut and, and intuition? And yeah. I, what happens here? I would just say that there's a feeling of inevitability here in Memphis okay. that this is the last game Mike Norvell is going to coach for Memphis. I would say that is, you know, I don't, you know, no one here at Memphis, no one at Memphis has said definitively like Mike has taken the job. I think Mike is probably, like, I think there, Mike has given himself a level of uh, plausible deniability. Like, I don't think he's actually, you know, I don't think he's actually, he has accepted anything. There's no deal in place. I don't even, you know, who knows if there's even been an official offer. Um, but I do think Jimmy Sexton is, working on his behalf. And, and I think this will, if indeed he is Florida state's choice, I think this will happen pretty quickly. I think I'd be surprised if we get to Monday even, and we don't know what's going to happen. Um, like I said, if he's Florida state's yes. choice, which, you know, who knows, you know, it sounds like from reading your stuff and other people down there, it's, it's, it's been a, they've done a night. They've done, one thing they've done a good job of during this search is make, making sure no one, uh, there's no like terrible leaks, I guess, if you will. Um, because I think it is important to Mike that he coached this game and not, you know, I don't like a couple of years ago or yeah, when there's four years ago, when Justin Fuente left a big point of contention and it kind of, it didn't ruin Justin Fuente's legacy, but it left a sour taste in people's mouth. Like he basically accepted that Virginia tech job a week or two before he even finished coaching the regular season for Memphis and Mm -hmm. Memphis fans did not like that. And I think Mike is very uh, aware of his legacy at Memphis and does not want to tarnish that by not focusing completely on this game tomorrow, because it would be a historic achievement in the program's uh, history. And so, um, but I do think after this game is over tomorrow, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen quickly. All right, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. I know you have a meeting to get to. I appreciate your insight. I think our listeners are really going to appreciate it too. I just hope that by the time I'm done editing this, that nothing has changed in, in the next hour or so. <laughs> I think, I think you're, like I said, I think I'm all once, once that AAC championship game ends, all bets are off. But as long as mm-hmm. before, prior to that game ending, I don't think we're going to hear anything definitive of what's going to happen because I don't think Mike is going to allow that to happen. Um, but I think, I think once that AAC championship game ends, if, if he's Florida state's choice, I think it'll come together pretty quickly. All right, Mark, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. You were great. All right, no problem, Brendan. <laughs>